As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Henry Zamoda and Danny Abdeljabar. What's up, brother? Chilling, man, as per usual. You're sitting right next to me. Yes, uncomfortably close, actually. Actually, it is very <laughs> awkward the way that we're sitting right now. Um, this is the first episode that we've done together, like in the same room, since the very early days of doing this show. Yep. So I'm in San Juan, Puerto Rico right now. For my uh, pre-bachelor party, is that the way to say it? Yeah, I guess you could call it a pre-bachelor party. My my pre-bachelor party, I'm having my bachelor party this weekend. Um, So I'm in San Juan. One of the main reasons why I'm having it in San Juan is because Danny lives here and I wanted to see him as well. So I'm here for the week and we decided to actually record in person instead of over the internet. And now we're in a very weird, awkward position where we're sitting next to each other looking at the recording app, the garage band bars. <laughs> so it's not like Joe Rogan where we're um, like you look at you, you look at each other while you're podcasting. We have a very weird setup, but whatever. It doesn't really matter because you can't see us and we are um, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that one, but <laughs> no, it is a little weird, but hopefully it's it's fine. And and also, you know, apologies for releasing this a bit late. Uh, we, I guess we originally intended to, to record this on like Sunday or something like that, but you had a little bit of a trouble getting into Puerto Rico in the first go around, right? Yeah, man, it sucked. It fucking sucked. So Spirit Airlines, I would never recommend flying Spirit Airlines unless you absolutely have to. Or unless they decide to sponsor our podcast, in which case you will recommend it. (laughs) Then I will will recommend it. Absolutely. But what happened was, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I was on my plane. So I was leaving on Saturday. So I was hoping to get like a like a day, like a weekend day on Sunday, so we could do shit. And we, um, I get on the plane. Everything is going running smoothly. The engine's on. The plane's about to take off. I have like a nice seat with a lot of leg room. I'm in an, I'm in an emergency exit seat, which is hard to get because I'm six five and I have long legs. And usually when I'm in a plane. I'm jammed up, and it's just an uncomfortable experience. Knees so, on the on the seat knees on you. So it starts mm-hmm. out. The first problem is with the plane. The AC is not working. So they tell us to close the close the the blinds or windows or whatever. Not mm-hmm. windows, I guess, but to keep the sun from getting into the plane. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird request. I've never heard it any. Um, Please close your blinds. Please close your blinds so sunlight doesn't get into the plane and heat it up. So I'm like, we're off to a bad start there, but at least my seat's comfortable. And then um, 
we tried taking off and then the plane stopped and they're like, well, we're having some engine problems. We're going to, you know, do some troubleshooting right there. I was in a plane for like another hour of them trying to figure shit out. And then they're like, all right, we're, we're right. We ran out of options. We were deplaning and we're going to keep you updated every 15 minutes on when we can get back on. So this goes on for three hours. I'm in the airport. Finally, it's canceled. So it was, it was, uh, Puerto Rico rejected me, and I can tell you why it rejected me. <laughs> I can tell you exactly why, because I was being a dick. Well, I wasn't being a dick, but I thought I was being funny. I kept on calling Puerto Rico Mexico. Yeah, he, like, going to Mexico, boys. <laughs> he posted uh, in our Slack community that he, he was get, headed off I to even Mexico. Put it, yeah, <laughs> I even said it in our Slack community, but I was texting my 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 friends. I was like, "See you, boys, in Mexico," um, and then. Puerto Rico, the smart karma, you. The karma, <laughs> the karma of uh, grouping all Hispanic nations or Hispanic countries together, um, you know, screwed my day up. But following day, got a plane. Now I'm here, and uh, we're all we're all good. Yeah. Um, Puerto Rican people are very nice. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> one of the one of my favorite things is I've never really seen this before when we landed. Everyone starts clapping. Yeah, I love that part. Everyone starts clapping. <laughs> and I'm a New Yorker, so, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, that, that doesn't, the, the miracle flight doesn't really resonate with me. I only get aggravated <laughs> on flights. There's no, like, there's no me being no like, appreciative moment. about anything. <laughs> um, I'm always going to find a reason to complain about my flight. And, um, you know, these people are... Oh, just happy that we landed in one piece. Yeah. It reminds me of that Louis C.K. bit where Louis C.K. is, uh, is talking about like how we take for granted modern technology that's that that are just miracles. Yep. Like um like fuck United. It's like you are in a seat in the air <laughs> traveling someplace. Hundreds of miles per hour. Yeah. I mean it's it's pretty incredible because, you know. It's like totally not natural and, and it's it's quite an amazing feat that they can land the plane. I mean, you know, in flight, it's it's pretty you know straightforward. I'm pretty sure they put them on autopilot most of the time, but taking off and landing is always the hardest part. So I can totally understand why people clap. And it's actually a little weird that people don't clap or at least get excited for the fact that you didn't just die. <laughs> yeah, the, fa- the fact that you landed in one piece and did not... The fact that you just... You have... Um, evolved to the point where you literally can fly at this point right now the human the human collective has been able to figure out flight by pulling raw shit out of the ground Mm -hmm. and putting it together and they figured out a way to put hundreds of people on a plane and fly you from anywhere new york basically (laughs) to puerto rico i don't know what the distance is what like almost a thousand miles or so it's more than that i think more than a thousand miles I mean, the voyage between New York to Puerto Rico, maybe back in the uh, back in the old days, let's just say the 16th century um, or 17th century, when when um, you know these areas were starting to really get colonized, that was probably a couple, like a month, a month ship ride. Yeah. So, um, I guess we should sometimes appreciate modern technology. For sure. Um, so yeah, Puerto Rico is awesome. 
um, definitely highlighted my my inability really to, to really understand Spanish, especially the dialect in Puerto in Puerto Rico. Yeah, we'll where, talk about that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> where there's like a merge between like a little bit of English and a little bit of uh, Spanish. But I mean, that was six years of Spanish that didn't resonate at all. <laughs> um, well, but, you're with me, so yeah, I'll take care of you. <laughs> okay, so and everyone here speaks English, so it doesn't really matter. But um. I do. I just want to seem cool speaking Spanish to people, but I guess it's <laughs> not in the wheelhouse for this trip. Um, so we're, we were going to talk about the Spanish-American War. That was the plan. And then we just uh, ended up going in a different direction. We, we were, were probably just going to talk about uh, Puerto Rican history in general and weird stuff about the island and, and uh, do something that's a little bit, you know, not... We don't really... A little bit more lighthearted, would you say, than yeah. what our usual subject matter is? It and might get a little dark at the end, but generally speaking, I think this will be a fun one. Yeah, we're we're not going to talk about the war in Ukraine at all today, <laughs> um, or or things like that. We're going to try to take a break. I know some of the, our people in Slack has have well had told us they're kind of worn out from following it, and we you know we're, we're kind of both as well. You're so, on your pre-bachelor party. We deserve yeah, a break. <laughs> Pre-bachelor party. We deserve a break. Now, um, yeah, why don't we just start off? Um, you were telling me one of the reasons why we're not just doing Spanish-American wars because you were just telling me some weird facts about the country that I felt I found very, very um, interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's like a million interesting, weird quirks about Puerto Rico. Um but I just wrote down a couple of them that I'd like to share with you guys today. Uh, and uh, one of them is that Henry is drinking a Medalla, which is a local beer here. How's it taste, man? It's pretty good. It's better than like our, this is like your Bud Light, right? Yeah. It's better than Bud Light. Yeah, I, I tend to agree <laughs> with that. It's better than Bud, it's better than like cheap American beer. Yeah. And, and, and it's actually incredibly cheap here too. We were just out last night to a little Chinchoro, which is like a little dive bar basically uh on calle Sera. and you know i think we got a couple of rounds of drinks you know for the three of us and and it was like well under 20 bucks each time so it was you know very affordable drinking is a fun pastime and you can also drink in public here which is going to be very useful for this bachelor party i think yeah <laughs> it's gonna be you can also there's also electric scooters <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a dangerous conversation. So, 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 the com so the combination is probably going to, you know, if not hospitalize somebody, <laughs> maybe maybe just give somebody some type of injury to go back with. But um, now here's a question, and here's an unresolved question because I feel like this is this is in dispute. Who did wh what island did Christopher Columbus come to first? Well, I I mean I've heard this story like a million times, and every uh, Caribbean island claims that it was theirs, uh, including Puerto Rico. But I, I think that the, the the true story is that he landed in Hispaniola first. Um, and then on his second voyage, he came to Puerto Rico. And, you know, Puerto Rico has basically been a colony um, since Christopher Columbus discovered the island uh, during that second voyage in 1493. Hey, why are you putting air quotes? Well, because the Taino Indians... <laughs> I can see you do the air quotes now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> because the Taino Indians already inhabited the island, so I wouldn't exactly call that a discovery. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. The funny part about that is that while he did... This was one of the first places he did come, but 
He only spent a grand total of two days on Puerto Rico, declared it a you know a colony of Spain, and bounced. And then he never came back to Puerto Rico, which oh. I think is hilarious. I guess I got my history wrong. I thought he, I thought Puerto Rico was a col- was one of the colon his main colonies. Well, no, they actually um, appointed uh, Juan Ponce de Leon, uh, who also like discovered I think Florida, uh, looking for the um, the fountain of youth. But he ended up being the uh, appointed governor of this colony in particular. Okay, all right. So that's something I didn't, I was mistaken of. So. Is there like an argument between like all the different Caribbean countries of which ones? <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily know if it's an argument, more so just like misinformation. You know, like people don't know, so and everyone likes to be the first everything, you know. So Puerto Ricans tend to say, Oh, we were the first, Dominicans say they were the first, you know. I don't know if Cubans say that too, but uh, it's just like a weird badge of honor to be the first place that you know landed. Because it was a big historical event. You know, obviously you know, the native uh, populations were here already, but you know, it wasn't like, I don't know the exact timescales, but we're talking thousands of years before, you know, um, the, the two halves of the world, uh, the two human populations of the world were able to uh, meet and, 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 and things like that. And obviously huge historical event in general. So everybody wants a piece of it. But, you know, Puerto Rico actually has the largest statue in the, um, in, on the side of the world. And it's a big like monument to Christopher Columbus and the three ships, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. It's absolutely massive. It's bigger than the um, the Christ the Redeemer statue, you know, the, the Jesus Christ in in, uh, in, in, uh, in Brazil. In, um, yeah, Rio. Yeah, exactly. It's much bigger than that one. Uh, and they just built that in 2016. So it kind of, it's weird. The the Puerto Ricans, like, there's, there's elements of Puerto Rico that hate being a colony. And then there's other elements that are just weird about like glorifying the fact that they're a colony. It's, it's very strange, but we'll talk a lot about like weird dichotomies like that. Um, definitely as, as throughout this episode. Yeah. So something I wanted to talk about is that you were telling me that some Puerto Ricans feel that this is an occupation and then others are, well, I guess, and I guess we'll, we'll maybe we should put a pin on this. I don't yeah, wanna, we'll, we'll get to those. Okay, um, we'll, we'll get to those weird things. All right. Um, another thing I did not realize was that this was the headquarters of the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, that's right. And I actually just learned this today myself while I was doing you know some quick research. And you know Puerto Rico was like the landing point for the Spanish Inqu- uh, Inquisition in the colonies. Like I, I knew that Puerto Rico was super Catholic. Like that's the majority religion here. But it didn't cross my mind that Puerto Rico was a colony during the Inquisition because the Inquisition was a really long time ago. And I've forgotten that Puerto Rico has been a colony for a really fucking long time. You know, um, I think it was like in the in the early 1500s when the Inquisition uh, you know, happened and Puerto Rico was firmly a colony by that point. You know, we already had established the Spaniards already had established cities and, and ports and shit here. So, yeah, they were using it to do fucked up things on the island during the Inquisition. And that's kind of crazy. That's interesting. Why would they need to have the headquarters in a colony, though? Well, because the Spanish Inquisition was like, it was a religious uh, uh, purge, basically, right? And just because you're on the other side of the world doesn't mean doesn't mean you escape the eye of, uh, of the Catholic Church. You know what I mean? Like, they had colonists here and they needed to make sure that you were catholic even if you were in puerto rico i guess my i guess my even my knowledge on the inquisition was is, is not really that great because i thought it was just targeting jews but what it was targeting 
like just, pagans do? You, just like literally anyone who wasn't Catholic. Okay. You know? uh, and maybe we'll do an episode on it. It's I, it's really fucked up and kind of interesting. So maybe right up our alley. You know, we like covering shit like that. So, um, but yeah, pretty interesting. I think that gives you a, a, a hint for the scale of the time frame of Puerto Rico, right? Like when you think about the Spanish Inquisition, you think, oh yeah, that was a really long time ago, right? Yeah, that's what that's that what I my reaction was like. Oh fuck, <laughs> that means Puerto Rico's old as hell. Oh, you know, fuck. like the colony. Well, least, well yeah. what do you mean old as hell? <laughs> it was it's been it's around old forever. Hell. Yeah, you just you just put air quotes about the discovery date. Well, the colony, <laughs> yeah, I should say, is old as hell. Um, Puerto Rico's, we it's, know it it's, is. Um, it's a merger with the West. Is it's been merged with Europe? I guess it would be the correct way to say it exactly um all right another thing you were telling me that i thought was cool the largest telescope in the world is here yep it's the largest radio telescope and actually was the largest radio telescope so in a city uh Arecibo, it's about an hour from san juan uh they have an observatory it's a thousand feet wide it's a giant single dish radio telescope and it was the largest single aperture telescope in the world and it was the most sensitive too that title was actually just recently claimed by China in 2016 when they built a bigger one. Uh, and also, unfortunately, in 2020, the telescope collapsed due to a structure failure and is likely as a result of the hurricanes that that battered the island. Um, so, I mean, that dish was so big that it stretched between two mountains in Arecibo. It's massive. It was actually, you ever see um, Goldeneye, the James Bond movie? Yeah, of course. They have that one scene at the end, you know, uh, where they're running through that giant telescope. It's pretty awesome. Oh, fuck. That's here? That's here. Oh, well, it was here. It's destroyed. That was here? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, dude. That's where it was. I don't even remember that being a telescope, but I know it was, it was a like humongous that object. It was like a big, yeah. like, dish thing. That It's just a massive telescope. It's crazy. But wow, the, more, the, more, the more you know. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was used in, in three ma major areas of research. So atmospheric science, radio astronomy, uh, and uh, radar astronomy, which I don't know the differences between these things, so don't ask. Um, but, it, you know, in other words, it, like it was helping to monitor things like asteroids in space to determine if any come too close to Earth, which brings me to some conspiracy theories that I know that you might be interested in. Yeah, yeah. So I just, um, it's kind of funny that you were bringing this up and, I had just watched the, the show. I, I had COVID for like, I don't know, 10 days or so. I was sick. And um, when I was sick, what I did was I watched television shows, mm -hmm. like Netflix shows. Like I, like I don't really watch too many shows because I don't really have time. And I don't really, I, I have too much ADD to watch a show, like to binge watch a show. But when you have COVID, your brain's kind of mush. So, um, yeah, I started watching Stranger Things and I became obsessed with it over the, like that, my, my COVID period. And then when I get here, you start telling me like, oh yeah, the same shit that happened in Stranger Things is basically like it happened in Puerto Rico. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of strange- In real life. Stuff. Yeah, no, there's a lot of strange stuff going on in Puerto Rico and in particular in the rainforest of El Yunque, um, which we actually plan on hiking through um, pretty soon. So maybe we get to see some shit, who knows? Um, but El, El Yunque is a uh, rainforest in Puerto Rico. It's not. It's about 20 miles from San Juan, um, and it's absolutely gorgeous. By the way, I can't wait to show you it. Um, but basically, there've been a lot of weird 
things that have happened in El Junque. Uh, I want to start with like back in 1941, the U.S. War Department actually established um, a Caribbean Defense Command uh, to basically protect like the Atlantic from a German attack if you know the United States was going to get involved in the war in Europe. And uh, you know the Army engineers constructed uh, an access road and you know did like telephone line and, and a bunch of other things. Um, that's now uh, PR 191. It's the road there, uh, and it and it goes from um, Mayames uh, to Rio Blanco, and it goes through a dwarf forest on the top of the El Yunque Peak, and they installed a SCR 270. I have to look this up. Uh, it's a type of radar. It's a search radar, and it's the same kind of radar that it, that detected the approach of uh, Japanese aircraft during the uh, Pearl Harbor incident uh, in 41, and so they they put one of these. Um, radars on top of the peak of the mountain uh, and they also built some some barracks around it uh, to house like you know the signal corps troops um, now that, that structure has since been demolished and it's open to the public to like go around um, but there's still a lot of areas in the rainforest that are fenced off and allegedly are for military use apparently there there have been sightings of like soldiers in black uniforms like western soldiers who guard those areas and nobody really knows what's going on back there, but you're definitely not allowed to trespass, uh, which of course, you know, ramps up a lot of interesting conspiracy theories, but I'll get to them in a second. There's also some weird stuff going on around um, gamma radiation. Uh, some scientists uh, were studying the effects of gamma radiation on vegetation in the 60s in El Junque, and it was a part of the Atoms for Peace program, um, which, you know, you start to put some of these things together and you start getting some interesting conspiracy theories. The first one uh, is UFO sightings. Uh, apparently UFO sightings are super high all over Puerto Rico, but especially in El Yunque um, near the Arecibo radio telescope and also uh, on the West coast near Mayagüez. Um, my grandfather actually told me stories a long time ago uh, about him seeing a UFO. When you wait, let me put a pin in this. That's one. I just want to show you how stupid I am, or tell her, just explain how dumb I am to everyone mm -hmm. from this from this story. So I, um, Danny was telling me this. I was like, "What UFO sightings here?" So I type in like aliens, Puerto Rico. Like I'm like doing, I'm like looking through through Google search, and I find a New York Times article. I'm like, <laughs> "Oh shit, aliens and aliens and uh, Puerto Rico." And I just wanted to hear what it said. It looked kind of like a funny article. Oh, hang on, let me pull that up because. It was really funny, um, and if you read it with like a weird, like, like a weird tinge, you can you can pretend that it is aliens. Hold on, let me pull this up. So the article's headline says, and this was written in 1975. Puerto Rico says aliens use it as a path to the U.S. And Henry sent it to me, and I guess you didn't take too much time to read. I didn't it. read. It. I didn't read. <laughs> I didn't read any of it. I just thought that. Um, <laughs> It was just like a kooky story from the New York Times. Like this doesn't sound like a New York Times story. And I thought that it was a, it was a something about like real like extraterrestrials. Yeah. And then I finally like I went and I read the story. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm dumb. This is about illegal. This is about like aliens. But you just wouldn't use the word alien is not really used anymore when talking about migrants. Right. Migrants exactly. is always the word. Aliens kind of a bad word for migrants, right? Yeah. Now, now it's like you know. The word changing PC stuff that happens over time with language, but yeah, that's why I got confused. But but 
Uh, sorry to interrupt because I want to hear about your grandfather seeing UFOs. That's probably not the best part to you because like that that's <laughs> obvious. There's an obvious follow up question. So your grandfather spotted UFOs. Right. I mean, I was super young when I was told the story. He's passed a long time ago, but I remember w- one early memory I had was him telling me a story about how he was working uh, at night and, you know, he saw like really bright light and it was just kind of like hovering in a weird way. And then it like zipped away. Like it, it mirrored every UFO sighting story that you hear on the internet or read about, you know? And I think that's probably why I believe in aliens at this point. Cause I like, you know, I like my grandpa, <laughs> my abuelo. Uh, so I kind of trust what he says. Um, but, but this is, is actually incredibly common. There's, you know, you can ask a lot of Puerto Ricans on the island. They'll probably tell you, you know, some story about either uh, aliens or um, another uh, really big one. You ever heard of the Chupacabra? I, I've heard what it was. Uh, I didn't know it was, I didn't, I thought it was like a Spanish uh, thing, but no, it's Puerto Rican yeah. specific. Yeah, it's specifically Puerto Rican. Yeah. And, and it's Chupacabra in Spanish means like goat sucker. Right. And they would find these like emaciated goats with like their necks torn out and like their blood drained and shit. And they didn't know what was the cause of this like animal mutilation, which obviously goes in hand in hand with a lot of like alien stories. You see a lot of animal mutilation coming into it. But, you know, basically to round out the story, you start putting together a big radio telescope, uh, random weird black sites in El Junque, you know. Uh, and gamma radiation, you start getting some strange cons- conspiracy theories about what's happened there. You know, everything from we opened up an extra dimensional portal to and that brought us the Chupacabra to, you know, uh, we're this is basically a spring off point for extraterrestrials, you know, all kinds of crazy fun stuff. You can literally ask almost anyone on the island and they'll have some weird story about them specifically or their friend or their cousin or in my case, my grandfather, you know, everybody's got a story and it's fun. Everyone, everyone has like a, a experience with some weird shit on this island. <laughs> yeah, man, it's cool. I really like it. The chupacabra, <laughs> the, chupa goat, the goat sucker. Yeah. What do you think it was actually? Dude, I sucking have, those goats. I have, I have no idea, man. Sucking those goats. That's, <laughs> suck the goat. Suck the goat. Um, because there's no, there's no prey here. There's no. Oh, there's plenty of prey. There's no predators. Excuse me. There's no predator here. Yeah. There's no. There's, there's no like tigers or like leopards. There's no even mountain lions. No. There's no bears. There's, bears. there's literally nothing Could dangerous. Because we were talking about the you know the danger of hiking, and it's more. It's probably way more dangerous to hike in New York. Oh hell yeah. As far as wildlife. Hell yeah. Like New York. You know, just just maybe 10, 15 miles outside of New York City limits. Maybe maybe more like 20, 30 miles. There's bears, a lot, of, a lot of bears. New York and New Jersey, I think, have the largest per capita uh, bear population. Bear, bear population, especially about forty miles uh, north of New York, near in the Catskills. Yeah, a shitload of bears. Yeah, black bears. Black bears are not. You know, they're, they're pretty scared of people, but they're, not they're gonna, still fucking bears. <laughs> they're still it's still a terrifying thing to come across a black bear. Yeah. And if it wanted to, it could still rip your arms off and kill you. Yeah. However, they're you know, they're the ones that kinda they're like squirrels. They're like big squirrels. Right. Um, they're skittish. But yeah, Puerto Rico doesn't have anything like that. Right. I guess you're probably I guess anything, maybe what, like a stray dog? But there's not really stray dogs here. There's stray cats. No, no, no. There's straight there's a lot of stray dogs. Oh, there's here. a lot but, of stray dogs. But those I the see injuries yet. to those animals were inconsistent with, you know, like dog attacks. That that was the problem. Like they were like precise and they 
drained all the blood from these goats. It's just weird, you know, like very weird, unexplained. So in reality, it was probably some psycho. I mean, or or it would have to chupa, be chupa. groups of psychos because this shit w- went crazy. You know, I think it was back in the '90s. It got really big, uh, the chupacabra uh, thing. But who knows? Well, what happens is that someone does it, some freak does it, and then there's copycats. Well, either that or we opened an extra dimensional portal and brought in a beast that uh, killed all Demigord- me. Demigorgon, the from uh, from this exactly the the plot from Stranger Things. They probably stole it from that story. Or <laughs> got their <laughs> the influence from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was um, that was pretty cool. I'm curious to when we go hiking up there. I'm curious to um, to uh, see if we see any of those the, like that fencing. Mm-hmm. The black uh, sites, the, yeah, the black sites. Um, all right, where are we? We are. Let's talk about something different. Yeah, just something really strange that you'll encounter in Puerto Rico is that Puerto Rico still measures things in metric. Oh yeah, yeah. You're what? The, what the fuck? So I'm like, I get here, and then there's um, it's like a dollar fifty for gas. Yeah. So I'm like, oh shit, why is the gas so cheap here? Like it's six dollars in parts of in, in New York and, and mm-hmm. other cities and, and even like some kind of more rural areas, the price of gas is crazy. Right. And then I see a dollar fifty, and then you're like, no, it's in liters. <laughs> yeah. And then um, and then I saw a um, the cars here are you know they're they're gauged by mile per hour, and then the speed limit signs are in uh, kilometers. No, it's the other way around. Excuse me. It's the, the, the speeds are in miles per hour. Okay. But the distance is like, oh, you are 10 kilometers from San Juan. Oh, okay. You know? So it's super weird. Like, they haven't made up their mind about how they want to measure, in this case, distances. So there's other areas like this. Like, they do land surveys in metric. So like so many meters, you know, so many square meters. Uh, but architectural drawings, when you're, you know, building a, a building, those are in feet and inches. So it's like the land is in metric, but the building is in feet and inches, which is really weird. Um, gas, as you pointed out, is sold in liters, but milk is sold in gallons. And they literally can't make up their minds about anything in this case. And it's super weird. And it's obviously vestiges of like, you know, old Spanish colonialism and they use metric versus U.S. imperialism and they use obviously the imperial system, right? So want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. You'll hear advice on everything from how to build confidence to how to get the best night's sleep. New episodes drop every weekday, and each one is five minutes or less, so you only have to listen a little to get a lot more out of your weekdays. Listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. The U.S. government has actually tried a few times to to change it to imperial, and it just never worked here in Puerto Rico, so now we're just cool with both. With both, and it's kind of like language. Most people speak English and Spanish. Well, everyone speaks Spanish, but most people speak English. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, Spanish is Puerto Rico's official language and has been since it was colonized in the 15th century, but English was introduced as an official language at the end of the 19th century when the U.S. occupied the island. Um, Even though English is an official language, most people, like you said, overwhelmingly speak Spanish, but, you know, you'll come across mostly a mixture of, of both, you know, people who speak both primarily Spanish, of course, but, um, you know, you've been here a couple of days, Henry, we've been to a few places. What, what's your experience been? I mean, everyone can immediately spot me out as a, as a gringo. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a, you know, as a tall white person, everyone immediately speaks Spanish, uh, English to me, not Spanish. So, um, that's been my experience. I like, I overhear people or, speak spanish but then whenever as soon as i if i like order something and, and we're not even in a touristy area or anything no. like that like we're in um at least what like a mile away from the tourist stuff yeah like yeah. all your neighbors are puerto rican everybody here's puerto rican um yeah. and they're not like we don't live near like um the or you you don't live we don't live you don't live near the the um you know, the, the, finance, the finance bros yeah. who come here. Or maybe there are some around here, but... There, there might be a few, but, like, mostly this is a Puerto Rican neighborhood, so... Yeah. Um, but, you know, people just immediately start speaking English to me. Um, what's what's funny about the language, though, and, and this is interesting that you have trouble remembering your many years of Spanish study, um, is that Puerto Rican Spanish is not, like regular Spanish. It's it's a weird mixture of English and Spanish. And we also like, I don't want to offend any Puerto Ricans here, but it feels kind of lazy. We definitely contract a lot of words and we like roll over a lot of syllables. Um, for example, if you wanted to say, you know, uh, to eat, para comer in practical Spanish, in Puerto Rican Spanish, it would be pa comer. So we just drop off the RA on para for the two. Um, so, and there's a million examples of that too. Uh, and it's, it's kind of hilarious and it, and it shows how the language has evolved over the years, you know, due to the differences in, in its, you know, uh, influence by, by major world powers. Well, a Dominican Republic's like that too, though, right? Yeah. I mean, they definitely have their own spin on, on Spanish too, but I think, you know, not, not to make it all about Puerto Rico here, but it's, it's uniquely interesting in Puerto Rico because, you know, while, Dominican Spanish has its own flavor and Mexican Spanish has its own flavor. It's generally a flavor of Spanish, whereas Puerto Rican Spanish is a flavor of English and Spanish or Spanish and English. Yeah, it's strange. It's hard to, it's hard to, to, to pick up, um, at least for me, but, but I'm just like not good with languages at all. 
Um, so when did, maybe we should start with basics. We're going to do some Puerto Rican history. Sure. Um, where is Puerto Rico? Well, uh, to quote Trump, it's an island it's an- surrounded by water, big ocean water. Where are we right now? <laughs> That's a better question. Now, I know where we're at. We're in the Caribbean. It's the North Atlantic Ocean. Um, we're in the east of, uh, east of the Dominican Republic. Um, west of the U.S. Virgin Islands. It's, it's crazy because, like, it's, what, Puerto Rico is, what, like, three times the size of Rhode Island? Yeah, it's it has, about the size of Connecticut, actually. About the size of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, land, land-wise. Land-wise, right. Um, what, what has... Here has like around like three million people or so. Just a, just a little over. So it's twice yeah. the size of Hawaii, mm-hmm. and then the big, uh, you know, I guess the harbors here is what made it such a desirable place for the U.S. to create a base. The, That's right. You know, Fort Buchanan, which is not too far from here, right? Probably no, it's like 20 super minutes. close, actually. Yeah, I've seen actually fighter jets flying around here. Yeah, yeah, man, it's a big fort. It's a major fort, and you you can understand why it was such a prized possession from the not only the Spanish but also the Americans in the 1800s. You know, if you look at the, like the the chain of islands between Cuba all the way down to uh, Puerto Rico, yeah, you, you always in my mind, I'm always like, man, how did that not all become American? Like American states or American territory? I feel like we tried at certain junctures. <laughs> well, back in the, the the day, the attitude in the 1800s was that Cuba, especially Cuba, was going to be a state one day. Mm-hmm. Like that was just kind of the belief that. Well, we supported their revolution, their independence revolution initially, but we yeah. get into that though. Yeah, we supported the Cuban independence uh, movement, and the Cuban independence movement was, I mean, not we're talking about pre Castro, so the the independence movement from Spain, not not the revolution against Batista, mm-hmm. but I mean that was a very violent revolution. Yeah. Like the people that we backed in in the Cuban Revolution were, you know, they, they were a lot of them were were doing terror tactics and stuff like that, like yeah. gunning down random people, and they had you know their forms of death squads and shit like that. But it's on um, it's it's on um, on brand for the U.S. I, I feel like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. But it's it's interesting because Cuba's so big and um, I guess so the close too. It's, it's only it's, ninety miles at the closest point to Florida. If you're a 19th century thinker, you'd have to think, man, it's a national security threat not to have Cuba as part of, at the very least, American territory. But I guess the strategy was, and there was a lot of business interest in Cuba. That was one of the major, there was, that was one of the main reasons why the U.S. was so interested in, you know, like the sugar trade and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, The Spanish were, were kind of like a weak power. So I guess in the U.S. policymakers' mind, they figured like, okay, we might as well just have the Spanish keep those islands because they're not a threat to us, mm-hmm. and then we much rather have the Spanish control those islands rather than you know the British or the French or the Germans or or Russians or really whoever. So I think the policy was that the the, the let Spanish have them. But then, like, you know, the press, I guess, you know, that's the first war that you really blame that uh, the press is uh, plays really, a huge part in it, yeah. yeah, it really plays a huge part in, in terms of, like, pushing the war and, and uh, selling the war to people. And 
it's like a, it's very reminiscent of like kind of like the press that's used to sell Americans in the war now. It feels like the template for it, it's, or, the, or yeah. the, the genesis of it, really. Um, who are the two major newspapers? Oh, man, it was Pulitzer and, um, fuck, I forget the other, but the media was basically owned by two people, two people, or people, two people, <laughs> uh, Pulitzer and um, the other ma- main media mogul, and both of them were like, you know, both of them have like quotes about like, yeah, war sells, this is great for business, and yeah. You know, like this story about Cuban, the romanticism of uh, the Cuban rebels is, uh, you know, really, really hidden home with with uh, with Americans. You know, Americans love a good uh, freedom story. But yeah, definitely the, the yellow journalism back then really does seem like to be one of the first uh, templates or dry runs to American, uh, you know, the, the media American involvement and mm-hmm. media involvement in pushing foreign policy. But. Um, going back to Puerto Rico because I, w- I want to just talk about like the, kind of kind of the facts because I think they're like just like the geographic facts about it. So um, I got off tangent when we started talking about the harbors. Yeah. Um, but um, most of most of Puerto Rico's mountain. Yeah. Right. So um, the people who live here are all living in like metro. Like I think it's like what ninety. 90- Three percent of the people who live here live in cities, mm-hmm. and in particular around the two largest cities, or three if you want to count Mayaguez. San Juan is the largest, followed by Ponce in the south, and Mayaguez in the west. And then there's a ship. There's a one of the main passages here goes right to the Panama Canal, right? That's right. Yeah, that's the Mona Passage. Yeah. So I guess that's another reason why it was so it was so important. The Geopolitically strategic. Yeah, yeah, geopolitically strategic. And I guess we'll get into like the current um, referendums and whether to keep Puerto Rico a state or not a state. Mm-hmm. I was just listen. I was overhearing a, an interview from with AOC that you were watching mm-hmm. um, about, you know, whether or not to, you know, what I guess what, what a referendum would look like or what bills should be passed. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that for sure. Um, but... The um, the economy in Puerto Rico now, I guess it. I mean, it's done it, economically. Puerto Rico is doing better than its peers in the Caribbean due to the from the help from the United States. And, right. Um, so compared to like the Dominican Republic and Jamaica, however, the economy has been in decline in Cuba for a while. Puerto Rico, not Cuba. Excuse me, Puerto Rico. Your sorry, brain is in Cuba mode right now. My brain is in <laughs> the economy has been in decline in um, Puerto Rico in a while, in a while for a while. Yeah, and um, I think I know you were telling me this as well about the downtown area in San Juan where the old business and and tr- the old business and why can't I speak today? It's something to do with doing it in person. Where the old business. Um, district was where all the i guess the headquarters of all these pharmaceutical companies that's right yeah they lost their tax breaks so a lot of these u.s companies that were using puerto rico for offshore manufacturing um i guess production was was phased out of the island yeah very rapidly at that it, you know the the kind of short version of that story was that you know in order to garner some economic activity in puerto rico uh yeah, they they issued um a lot of tax breaks uh, for a lot of different corporations and the ones that 
that jumped on you know that train really hard was the pharmaceutical industry because you know here we have a very near offshore uh, you know operation where they can pay people much less than they would in the states but not have to risk a very long you know um, uh, travel time you know to get uh, their finalized products so uh, one of them Cialis uh, the boner boner pill manufacturers you know uh, they were they were pretty big on the island and and home of Cialis home of, <laughs> home of the boners Cialis um, Stadium <laughs> no but but you know not to not to get too deep into that story because we, we can talk for a really long time about the, the implications and the reasons and and you know the latent you know uh, uh, disrespect in it but when the U.S. decided to pull out those tax incentives, these pharmaceutical corporations basically pulled out as well. And what was the unfortunate case of this is, you know, Puerto Ricans lost tens of thousands of jobs very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of, you know, support that comes along with having major businesses, you know, on the island, including for infrastructure and, you know, uh, uh, just the general economy was doing better because people were making money and spending money um, and, you know, they were pretty bad to the Puerto Ricans in general, but definitely coming in and coming in hard and pulling out hard had a huge impact on on the on the economy for sure, uh, among many many other reasons why the economy is going down. But I don't think we have time to really go into it. Um, well, now it's kind of like a playground for uh, crypto millionaires, right? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So there's you know uh, different acts. Uh, there's Act Twenty, Act Twenty Two, and Act Sixty. All of which are super similar. I'm not going to get into all of the specific details, but the general idea uh, is if you are a mainlander in the United States and you want to move to Puerto Rico and be a resident of Puerto Rico, you can actually conduct any capital gains. So we're talking stocks, crypto, other investments, any capital gains that you earn from those, you get 0% capital gains. So you got a lot of like, very rich people and some famous people like uh, Jake Paul came over here uh, and admitted that he was coming over here on Act 60. Floyd Mayweather came here for the same reason. Uh, there's a million people that have come over, you know. And what that does is obviously it's a huge opportunity for anyone who wants to take advantage of it, right? Especially if you're into crypto, save a shit ton of money and Puerto Rico is beautiful. Uh, on the other hand, though, uh, it's not available for Puerto Ricans themselves. So if you are Puerto Rican, still have to pay capital gains tax. But if you leave Puerto Rico and then come back after a while, then you can do it. So it's a, it's just a stupid, weird tax incentive, something that's super fickle. And I feel like we haven't learned anything, you know, from the first go around uh, with the tax benefits for the pharmaceutical industries. The moment Puerto Rico doesn't have those options, then all the rich people are going to leave. But at least in this time, uh, go around, I really don't think that the the rich crypto millionaires are really contributing very much to Puerto Rico in general. Well, they don't, they only live here like six months out of the year. Yeah. Right? 181 days is the minimum that they have to live here. But I actually do think people like Jake Paul, like they built it, he built a giant estate and he probably lives here all year. But um, generally speaking, people just pretend to live here for six months and then go back to the States and enjoy their capital gains. So. I mean, it's a good hustle. It's a, it's a, it's a, Good system. I can't blame people for taking advantage it is, of it. It's I just mean, not a very good idea. <laughs> I mean, you are, your family's Puerto Rican. That's right. And you obviously love it here too. So it was not like you just moved here for, for uh, capital. Well, I mean, I, I don't make nearly enough money in capital gains for this, for 
me to be able to take advantage of these programs in any meaningful way. Um, so I'm just not. Um, with that said, I'm kind of, you know, would be interested in not having to pay any capital gains taxes if I was like making millions in crypto. Like I would totally take advantage of it. Why wouldn't you, you know? It's just not necessarily very scalable or very good for the people in Puerto Rico. And it, and it causes these weird schisms. What, um, well, I don't know how uh, people get, um, I don't know, understand how kind of coming here and living off your capital gains really produces, I guess it makes nicer houses. It drives the real estate up. Yeah, that's what that's, it does. That's what it, it drives the real estate up. So now, it doesn't help any of the people in Puerto Rico because they don't, they also just don't pay any, any um, local taxes, right? Because they make all their money in capital gains. So they're not making like an income. Like me, I work remotely in Puerto Rico and I pay Puerto Rican taxes, right? So I'm contributing to Puerto Rico by being here. Whereas crypto millionaire doesn't make any money through like an income tax, makes all their money on capital gains of which he pays, he or she would pay zero in taxes for. So he's not contributing anything and, they're, and they have a lot of money. So they're gonna buy all the houses drives the real estate market up and it's absolutely insane. And I've been trying to buy a condo for the last five months. It's been crazy. So I don't want to get into that though. Yeah. And I've talked to other people about them trying to get houses in Puerto Rico right now. And it's just, I mean, it's just, just as expensive or more expensive than New York or Long Island um, or Northeast right now, I guess in some of those areas, especially some of those areas, um, what do you guys call it? Like gringo stand or something? What, what's... <laughs> gringo stand. No, there's, there's some areas on the island that are almost exclusively um, expats from the U.S., like white, white people that came over. What, are they, what do you call it, though? Gringo? Uh, the is, Gringo Mafia. Is gringo Mafia? It. Yeah. It's just like a, a, it's, this happens especially in, in like on the West Coast in Rincon where almost all of the real estate or at least the majority of it is owned by a couple of like really rich white investors. And, you know, it, it just drives up the prices really crazy and. It's completely unaffordable for anyone that actually lives here, uh, grew up here to like own a place on a beautiful, you know, little city, little surf city like Rincon. Um, but yeah, we've heard all about it. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So um, politically, Puerto Rico is, you were telling me earlier that it's, it's pretty, it's like kind of diverse where um, it's socially or Socially conservative, fiscally liberal, or the other uh, way around. Other way around. Yeah. Do you, I mean, you can explain it better than I can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the easiest way is just to bring up a couple of like interesting, like, uh, um, you know, political points, things that like if we talked about it here in the United States, you know, it would be, you know, uh, along party lines. Like, for example, PR is a pretty big gun state. Um, it's fairly easy to buy guns here, uh, and you can conceal carry uh, very easily. Um, and, you know, basically it's, it's, you know, not very liberal in that respect. You know, it's not, it's not a democratic stance to, to, you know, be super huge pro 2A, you know, um, on the other hand, you know, you, just looking at the gun issue, you're like, oh, okay. So they're, you know, conservative. Well, that's not necessarily the case because, you know, Puerto Rico also is a pretty big welfare state and pretty much across the board, all the politics center around the social safety net which is definitely much more socialist or much more liberal uh, in that respect. So it's kind of like a weird, you know, a weird mix of, of both kind of like English and Spanish or, you know, metric and uh, uh, imperial. 
And um, the the unemployment rate is really, well, the employment rate is what, like 30%? 36, yeah. 30, 36%. It's incredibly low, yeah. But that's honestly a result of a lot of different things up to and including, you know, some of the tax incentives that have been granted and taken away from by the U.S. Um, but also just terrible corruption, you know, here in the uh, in Puerto Rico and mismanagement of funds and you the know, Jones Act. The Jones Act is another really big the, one. The Jones Jesus Act Christ. is the Jones Act is like one of the most ab- abominations of the law, like ever. It's I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's one of these things that like. You just want to go back in time and smack the people who fucking wrote this bill. Well, the shit's been going, the Jones Act stuff has been going on forever. Like there was a, basically the Jones Act in America before the Jones Act. The Jones Act was, the, the, the Jones Act is basically a law that prevents uh, foreign ships from, um, I guess, importing or exporting in, in uh, U.S. Yes. ports. Yeah, exactly. But in Puerto Rico in particular, you know, if, you know, we're, we're an island full of water, right? So a lot of our stuff has to be imported. Uh, and we also, you know, produce stuff. So we produce sugarcane and, you know, coffee and things like that. So we export stuff. So as a territory of the United States, the Jones Act prevents us in Puerto Rico from shipping coffee from here to, you know, I don't know, uh, Germany. Like we can't just send some coffee to Germany from here to there. Uh, and much in the same way, we can't get cheap shit from China direct on a boat from China to San Juan. We always have to go through an intermediary, and it's mostly in Florida. What happens is we have to ship our shit to Florida, take it off that boat, put it on a U.S. boat, and then we can ship it to Germany. Or in the reverse, China has to go all the way to Florida, get it off their boat, put it on an American boat, and then they can ship it to uh, Puerto Rico, which, as you can imagine, greatly increases the cost and also the time frame. So it just makes shit more expensive here for no good reason. Um yeah, and it's and it also makes it so that the you know the economy can't flourish like you know uh, sugar uh, sugarcane production and coffee especially were two of the biggest cash crops here in Puerto Rico for a super long time before the Jones Act was enabled and and it made it prosperous I and mean, the word Puerto Rico or rich port was literally because we were such a rich uh, you know economy uh, also because there was they found gold in the rivers too but. That's a different story, <laughs> but that's just not something that we can, we can't conduct business internationally without going through the U S as an intermediary, which makes it incredibly stupid. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I'm sure a lot of businesses in Puerto Rico, they have like another location in Florida so they can ship to, um, but it's still a logistical nightmare because it's oh, yeah, the cost, it's still horrible. Store, the cost yeah. is terrible, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, that's a horrible law. Yeah. And if I was, um, I, I would. If I was in Congress or if I was a uh, person of power, that that would be like one of my, I would run on that. (laughs) Repeal the Jones Act. Most people wouldn't know what it is, but yeah, but I mean, Puerto Ricans would at least. And and we'll definitely get into this when we talk about like the, the current political status of Puerto Rico. But, you know, one thing I want you to keep in mind before we get to that is just like, think about, you know, you live in New York, Henry. Imagine if. You know, we you couldn't do any business in New York unless you shipped it through New Jersey first. Like, how upsetting would that be as a state that no self-respecting U.S. state would ever like sign on to that? That would be like absolutely not. <laughs> you know, well, it forces Puerto Rico to be complete dependent on the U.S. Absolutely, and it and it enables the U.S. to control Puerto Rico in ways uh, economically and and also um, diplomatically. Here's the thing: like, you think you would think just having the base, like having uh, Fort Buchanan here, 
wouldn't that give the United States enough pull where they, I guess the, the Jones Act isn't just centered around Puerto Rico. It's about protect, it's just a protectionist policy right. to protect, um, I guess, not only U.S. shipbuilders. Because it was a, it started out as um, like all these protectionist ship policies or laws on shipping where they were, um, you know, they were basically just tariffs. And then eventually they became more about competing with um with like British ships and stuff because British, the British ships started using steel ships. They started building like, you know, good steel ships and, and um, before the Americans did and the Americans were making wood ships, um, you know, late into the um, 18th, 19th century. So I think a lot, a lot of it was that. And then the Jones Act was just kind of like the continuation of those policies. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they really screw over, um, I think I think they screw over this island more than any any anything. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I believe that the Jones Act Jones Act also applies to other um, U.S. territories like U.S. Virgin Islands and Guam too. So they're they're suffering under that same tinge as well. Yeah, but but um, Puerto Rico in particular, Puerto Rico in particular, yeah. Puerto Rico is just a larger is larger than Guam. It's right, larger I mean, than, we're larger than half of larger. We than have Hawaii. more population here than half of the states in the United States. Yeah, so. You know, if we became the 51st state, we would be the middle state in terms of population size. So now, out of all the Spanish colonies um, or the, the, the uh, Spanish colonial possessions in, in the Americas, Puerto Rico is the only territory never to really gain its independence. Why do you think that is? That's a loaded question, man. I, I still don't know. If I'm being very honest, I mean, there's there's a lot of arguments that you can make, but it it just doesn't make any sense. I think it's political, uh, it's cultural, it's you know, in certain cases racist. Uh, but I, I'm not, I don't have a firm pin on that. What do you think? I think it's just because of the base. <laughs> like I think it's just because of the geopolitical um, implications of having Porter of. Uh, meeting a territory on those uh, on that chain of islands between Cuba, Dominican and and, um, and Puerto Rico. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the U.S. was going to come out of the Spanish-American War without like territory mm-hmm. because I mean, I mean, Puerto Rico is located at the northeast of the Caribbean Sea, and it was really important to the Spanish Empire. Um, know during the years of conquest of the new world it was a major military post during during uh you know the many the many wars between spain and europe and you know the the powers that had um you know control or or were regional powers in the caribbean in the 18th century and it was also used as a stepping stone um in the passage from Europe to Cuba and then to Mexico and to Central America and then, you know, some of those northern territories in South America. Um, and then when the Spanish Empire was falling apart, you know, by the late, by the late 19th century, um, you know, Spain was like having all these political crises, like they had like all these economic crises in the 1800s. Like they weren't the same thing as what they were in the 1600s when you know, they were conquering essentially like the Western Hemisphere. Um, you know, Puerto Rico and Cuba were the last two Spanish colonies in the Western Hemisphere. And they were the last remaining symbols of 
Spanish imperial glory. And I guess because those islands were so important to Spain, they were very heavy handed. And you probably know more about this than, mm-hmm. than I do. But I know like the, Span- the Spanish had, um, you know, secret police and shit here. And um, there was like, you know, they were hard on the press. They would jail people who would write, you know, stuff against the Spanish. Um, and they had like, you know, their governors were basically just kind of like Spanish crony dictators. You know, That's they right. were like kind of Roman consulate type thing guys who kind of ruled by fiat type type of situation and i think for most of the the history i don't think they really had um i guess puerto rico or really any of those islands and that's why i think they were so hostile to this didn't really have any representation in spain or europe at all no absolutely not no it was a true colony for sure and then um i know puerto rico had suffered um you know some some pretty bad economic crises due to uh you know, tariffs and, and, and taxes, um, I guess, still, still, still um, the case today, still, still the case today. <laughs> yeah. But I think um, Spain would tax would would subsidize its wars, trying to gain back its other imperial possessions like the DR by by kind of coming down on Puerto Rico. Because uh, like you said, like Puerto Rico is a wealthy colony, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, you know what? A rebellion breaks out in what 1860, 68 by uh, Dr. Uh, Ramon Batances. He's uh, or Batances, yeah. He's like the uh, Puerto Rican, like George Washington, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, who was the other guy? Segundo. Uh, Segundo. Segundo. Belvis. Belvis. Yeah. And then what? Their their political party was. Uh, uh, it was like the Revolutionary Committee of Puerto Rico, right? Mm-hmm. And these guys were like exiles from the DR, or they were exiles in DR. Um, They're Puerto Rican, and they were exiled to the Dominican Republic. Right. And then um, they did like that whole Patrick Henry thing where they like wrote pamphlets and stuff and called for insurrections. And, um, you know, they circulated these pamphlets. That's what they did back in the day. Yep. They cir- You know, there was no internet back in the day. Wrote stuff on so paper. So you wrote pamphlets yeah. and you would distribute pamphlets. And your pamphlets would say, you know, some hardcore shit a lot of times. Death be like, to the Spaniards. Like death <laughs> to the Spaniards. Yeah. I mean, same same thing with the American Revolution type of pamphlets that were going around like the, the, the in Boston and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, like through the, the from the, the, the Sons of Liberty, I guess um, like secret cells were established. I guess what the classes here in Puerto Rico, because... Puerto Rico is diverse, right? Yeah, Puerto Rico is mostly it's a, it's a mix of a couple of different things. It's it's a lot of obviously native indigenous peoples, right? So Taíno, uh, and then of course obviously Spanish uh, peoples, but also there's a lot of Africans and other Europeans, um, which makes for a really interesting mix of people here. And you know it's it's pretty surprising because you'll find Puerto Ricans of all you know colors and shades and you know flavors, um, but fairly diverse in that respect. So I guess these cl- these different, uh, you know, peasants, slaves, uh, merchants, landowners, I guess everyone was kind of involved in, in these in these rebellions. I guess original plans were called for insurrections, and then the Spanish eventually, did, like, uncovered a lot of these plans, and they arrested them. Yep. So, like, the, inter- the uh, insurrection doesn't last that long, and um, I guess the Spanish, they round up, but 475 rebels and what's interesting is that they didn't kill them 
and they actually gave them amnesty, I guess, to, to, uh, to appease tensions on the island. But what's going on in Spain at the time is that Spain is going through, a, through a, their own transition. It's a liberal revolution. Isabel II of Spain, who was kind of like a traditional autocrat ruler, was uh, deposed. And then there was a constitutional monarchy that was put in its place. And then eventually a republic is put in Spain. And then um, I think they're only a republic for like three years or so. And then they go back to a constitutional monarchy. But um, I guess this new Spanish government, they decide to deal with unhappy Puerto Ricans with with uh, with honey rather than vinegar. Um, and, you know, they allow for some sort of political representation on those islands. Right. And, um, you know, the... I guess the the pro independence movement it remained uh, disbanded while the you know original leadership was was in exile. Um, we all know how important it is to keep your eye on the money and not just your own. To follow trends, track financial situations, follow gains and losses, check out the Yahoo Finance podcast. Every day, we'll give you a quick overview of the latest market and financial news that you need to know. You'll be able to hear about the biggest headlines in the business world in three minutes or less, right after markets close. It's perfect to listen to while you make another cup of coffee or work out a new budget. Check it out now. Listen to Yahoo Finance wherever you get your podcasts. That's Yahoo Finance wherever you get your podcasts. Or at least a more radical elements of the independence movement were in exile and the vacuum was filled by like, you know, Puerto Rico's own liberals and own conservatives who, you know, they represent, they represented different factions. So like you had the, the, um, I guess the people who wanted like the status quo on the Island and then the, who probably favored more of like kind of the privileges, um, you know, they, they favored the, I guess, the Spanish ruling class um, and then the privileges that they got from them. And then you had the more liberal faction that called for things like either a total integration of Puerto Rico as a province of Spain or, um, you know, extending the uh, status quo. This, this, is, this is exactly what is happening right now. It's, it's funny how history is repeating itself because, you know, right here during the, the time of Spanish rule, you know, the, the Spaniards smartly uh, started allowing Puerto Rico's to have a little bit of autonomy and that kind of tempered down a lot of the revolutionary tendencies. And so it became, uh, you know, should they be the same thing, the, you know, protectorate or the colony, or should they be a state of Spain? And it's kind of the same thing that's going on right now, you know, in the United States, while the United States runs Puerto Rico, where, you know, the United States will throw them a little bone every now and again. And that kind of tampers down the full independence movement for the most part. And the conversation centers around, okay, well, do we want to keep doing this colony thing or do we want to be integrated with the, with the whole, we'll, we'll get more into that in a bit though. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, but I guess by the time that Puerto Rico does get its its um, independence, I guess they do. I mean, do 
do the Spanish, that the Puerto Ricans actually get their independence for like a brief moment, like a month or so? Because, it was, or does it just it was, go? I don't know if it was like official. It was just more of a more of a, uh, a transitional phase between when they were totally ruled by the Spanish and when they came to be ruled by the U.S. But it was a very brief, like, intermediary period. Yeah, it was like it, it was like a couple of months or something. Yeah, where there was a transition between being under the Spanish crown and then being under the United States. But I guess they, I guess that's the main reason why they never got their independent, their dependence because changed hands. it just, it just changed hands instead of just an all, all out, uh, instead of there being an all out independence movement. And the U S was, and still is able to kind of impose, impose its will Especially when it comes to um, you know having access to the Panama Canal from there, and mm-hmm. um, I mean, I mean that's a time when you have to kind of just think in terms of just national security, where it probably wasn't U.S. national security interest to have a territory out there, mm-hmm. because I mean the world was really full of belligerent, you know, crazy imperial countries who were you know, always poking at each other and trying to steal shit. So um, you know, having an outpost there. Or having a an island under your control. It made total geopolitical sense, yeah. but it just, you know, came at the cost of the people that lived there. I mean, like like we said earlier, we, we planned on covering the Spanish-American War in detail, uh, but we changed our minds on just talking about Puerto Rico. But what's important to know about the Spanish-American War is that shortly after the war ended, when Spain ceded the island to the United States, and that was during the, the, the Treaty of Paris in 1898, you know, the U.S. basically set up a military administration, and that lasted until May of 1900. And what they did there was both good and bad, right? So they policed the island rather brutally, uh, but they also established a political, you know, like a public school system. They, you know, managed the finances. They built sanitation networks, highways, other things like that. Um, but the military was pretty brutal in terms of how it how it dealt with Puerto Ricans and it ruled without any regard for the political climate in Puerto Rico or frankly, any cultural sensitivities, they treated it as their property. Um, and they did so with a while and, you know, Puerto Rico and, you know, a lot like a lot of the other islands, you know, like the U S Virgin islands and Guam, they, they have this strange relationship with the United States for like a hundred years more than a hundred years now, Puerto Rico has been an official territory of the United of the United States. And you know, in 1917, the Jones Act that we keep talking about that becomes law, and it it effectively turns the island into the territory that we know um, as Puerto Rico now. And this law guaranteed it it did a bunch of bad things, but one interesting thing that it did is that it guaranteed U.S. citizenship to Puerto Ricans that were born after you know, April 25th, 1898. And this fact is pretty interesting because most, most Americans don't even know this, you know, that Puerto Ricans and U.S. mainlanders are all U.S., you know, citizens, and they can move and live freely between both places, and they can conduct business and do anything else that you can do across state lines in the United States without any special permissions or passports or visas or anything like that. And it also means that Puerto Ricans can be drafted into war, uh, and they've they've fought alongside the U.S. in every conflict since World War One. Uh, 
many Puerto Ricans have received medals of honor as well as, you know, high titles like general and admiral. Aren't, aren't Puerto Ricans just in the regular U.S. Army? That's no, right. That's not just like, it's not a, there's not a Puerto Rican army. There's no. just the U.S. Army. Yeah, they're in the U.S. Army. Yeah. And they're drafted as such and, and many are decorated. Um, where it gets a little strange, you know, is, is that like, okay, so they're citizens, they're part of our army, you know, they're, they're integrated in that way, but they're totally separate in other ways. Puerto Ricans enjoy U.S. citizenship, but there's also a... This is this is new and strange. There's also a thing called a Puerto Rican citizenship. So two citizenships, one country, which I think is pretty interesting. And in 1997, the Supreme Court of Puerto Rico reaffirmed the existence of a Puerto Rican citizenship. And in 2006, the Puerto Rican Socialist Party president, Juan Mari Braz, became the first person to receive a Puerto Rican citizenship. And since then, the Puerto Rican government has granted citizenship to anyone born in Puerto Rico uh, and to people who have at least one parent who was born in Puerto Rico. So holler, I get to get one if I want one. And it's also applicable for anyone who lives here for at least one year uh, and who are a American citizen, which is interesting. But, you know, despite holding a dual citizenship of the U.S. and also the U.S., because both of it is the U.S., Puerto Ricans lack one key benefit, and that's the right to representation in the U.S. So Puerto Ricans can vote locally for everything from the local committees straight through the governor, which is the head of Puerto Rican politics. Uh, but when it comes to U.S. Congress, or the presidency for that matter, uh, Puerto Ricans have no say in the matter. So to make matters weirder, while they can't vote for the president of the United States, they are a part of the presidential primary process which is really fascinating. The Puerto Rico's primary, it's, it's an open primary uh, where you can vote for whichever side. And the territory actually awards 59 delegates of which 51 are pledged delegates and I think the rest are super delegates. Um, and you know they're, they're based on the results of the primary. 59 delegates is more than many states in the United States. And that's kind of interesting that you know, the Puerto Ricans can pick the candidate, but they can't vote for them. It's super weird. Um, and it's kind of, I feel like that's one of those like bones that the U.S. throws to Puerto Rico to keep them like, all right, we're not going to let you vote, but you can, you can help us pick a candidate, you know? Um, yeah, I remember um, Tulsi Gabbard got some uh, delegates from um, American Samoa. Yeah, exactly. It's super weird. It's like a thing that we do with, you know, these territories or these colonies. And, you know, as far as representation goes, Puerto Rico does get one, quote, representative, but they're called the resident commissioner. And the current one's name is Jennifer Gonzalez Colon. And she basically has no voting power and there's no Senate member either. So it's just in the House. And it's basically a formality. You know, they, they all try, but no resident commissioner, commissioner has had any meaningful impact or influence on U.S. politics concerning Puerto Rico, let alone any U.S. politics, generally speaking. And obviously, this is an issue. You know, Puerto Rico generally has autonomy on how it governs the island. And I say generally really loosely. We'll talk about more about that in a bit. But there's a lot of oversight uh, and honestly, some extreme oversight on its autonomy. Um, I picked out one really interesting example that was... So sounds like every other country in the world. Yeah, right. Everything's in American territory <laughs> for the most part, but this one's this one's like on paper, 
you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's what makes it so flagrant. There's a, a pretty recent um, uh, uh, bit back in April, and it concerns uh, SSI or Supplemental Security Income Program. It's kind of like Social Security. It was established back in 72, and it, it gives like a minimum income to, you know, needy adults who are over 65, people who are like blind or disabled, things like that. And, you know, excluded from these benefits were citizens of Puerto Rico and, of course, other territories as well. And just back in April, the Supreme Court ruled that it can keep excluding Puerto Rico. Uh, and Kavanaugh wrote, uh, who was he was the uh, uh, the majority opinion there. He pointed out that there were other rulings that upheld differential tax treatment of Puerto Rican residents. So basically, you know, certain benefits don't get shared to Puerto Rico the same way that they do in full states of the United States. He also mentioned that, you know, because the island residents are exempt from a lot of federal income taxes, that Congress had a rational basis for excluding them um, from eligibility for Social Security and SSI payments. What's interesting, though, is that the dissenter, Sotomayor, uh, whose parents were also born in Puerto Rico, she obviously dissented against this opinion. And, and she said that you know, if Congress could exclude citizens from you know, safety net programs based on the fact that they don't pay enough taxes, then residents of Vermont, Wyoming, South Dakota and North Dakota, Montana and Alaska could be similarly excluded, which I think is a sick burn. And it's kind of true, you know, like those states don't pay nearly as much into the tax system as as every other state, like New York, as an example. Um, but they equally receive the benefits. Well, I mean, we're talking about federal taxes. Mm, we pay into Social Security benefits as well, though. That's yeah. the thing, you know. So like right now I'm living in Puerto Rico and I'm paying the federal Social uh, Security program, but I'm not getting or I'm not 65 anyway. But presumably if this continued until the fact that I was 65 and I continue to live in Puerto Rico, I wouldn't get this SSI benefit despite the fact that I'm paying into it. Yeah, well, that sucks. Yeah, it's super weird. Um, and it has nothing to do with the fact that they're not paying any federal income taxes. And Puerto Rico does pay a lot of other taxes as well. Medicaid, Medicare, we don't get those either, you know, but we pay into them, which is interesting. Uh, and it's it's kind of like the, the, generally, it's like the, the argument- Kind of like subjects. Yeah, we are. It's, it's taxation without representation. Isn't that like why we founded the United States in the first place? Or at least why the revolution kicked off? One of the reasons, you know? Yeah, I mean, it does kind of sound like a... It was funny because you were playing an AOC uh, interview with... Uh -huh. um, I don't I don't know what the young lady's name is, but... She's a Puerto Rican YouTuber. Yes. And they were calling... They were like, let's just be frank. Puerto Rico is a colony of the United States. And I, in my mind, I was like, yeah, wasn't it? Isn't that, it's not, I thought that was settled. Like, <laughs> who's not frank about that? Yeah, but like the thing is that, you know, do we want to keep being a colonial power? You know, it's it's 2022. I thought we were done with colonies, you know? I you know, I, I agree. I don't think that there should be um there should be colonies. And if it's about the military base, I mean, come on, it's millions we have literally bases we everywhere have bases in the world. Bases in 190 countries all over the world, including places that aren't even countries, just random islands in the middle of the Pacific, you know? So all right, so let's let's talk about this because I want to get an understanding of what the public opinion is. Because sure. honestly, there's there's still very clear benefits from being an American territory. Some, yes. There, I mean, not every. There are benefits. There are pros of being an American territory. Well, 
it's relative, right? So if we're talking about in comparison to say the Dominican Republic, which is a pretty rough economic shape, you know, and political shape, they don't, they don't enjoy the full might of the U.S. military protecting them, right? Although, frankly, I'm sure if somebody attacked the Dominican Republic, we'd help them. If anyone attacked Monroe Doctrine, if anyone attacks the Dominican Republic, the United States... We'll probably help them. The the United States would absolutely... It would be... We're we're borderline about to go to war on a country for Taiwan. Joe Biden just said that they would militarily intervene to fight China if China invaded Taiwan. Right. I mean, then it's... I we mean, never pass up an opportunity. To his go party contradicted him afterwards, but the fact that he said that, man. Yeah. Um, but 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 this is like something like cemented on paper, hundred percent. Like U.S. will definitely support Puerto Rico if anything happened, right? Militarily, that is. You know, we also have access to United States citizenship. So if we wanted to, any Puerto Rican could just leave the island, and go to the United States, no problem, right? There's also some economic benefits. Puerto Rico does receive a lot of subsidies from the United States uh, in a lot of different areas, up to and including, you know, disaster relief. Although that's a fucking, that's a whole conversation that we can have in general, but, you know, and other economic benefits as well. But we're in this weird gray zone. and There's a few options that are available. And very recently, just this past Monday, um, you know, there's a bill that's being introduced that is called a plebiscite, which is basically like a like a referendum or like a survey of people uh, on the status of Puerto Rico. And finally, we have the opportunity to to do something about it. And and I say finally because there have been six plebiscites since 1967 on the status of Puerto Rico to to debate and figure out what we wanted to do about it. But at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what the Puerto Ricans say. It matters what Congress has to say. And this plebiscite, this bill that's being introduced, offers the potential to make it binding by Congress. So whatever the Puerto Ricans decide, Congress will go ahead and enact, which is very fascinating. I wanted to talk a little bit about the past plebiscites uh, since 67. I got this table up here to kind of look at it uh, a little bit, and I got it on the other screen as well. So in 67... Actually, maybe we'll take a step back and just talk about some of the options uh, that are available. Uh, so there are the there's the option for independence, and that one I think is really clear, right? Puerto Rico becomes a state, a nation state, onto itself by itself, and I, I think a lot of the propositions for becoming its own independent entity is a slow phase out of U.S. Um, support, and I imagine that the U.S. will still maintain as a part of the condition of independence you know, all the many bases and black sites in El Yunque, you know, like I'm sure I mean, dude, we have one con- we have a base in Cuba, a mill of prison in Cuba. Exactly. And yeah. that's not gonna, so that's, that's not a concern, right? Uh, so that's, that's the option, but they would phase out the economic support. And, you know, I guess it would be in question about whether or not future generations of Puerto Ricans will still be able to hold like dual citizenship of the United States. That's up in the air. The, the current option that we're in right now is, is a commonwealth, or more commonly referred to as a colony, uh, which is the situation that we're in right now, where Puerto Rico is, is, a, is a protectorate or a, a territory of the United States. 
Uh, it enjoys some benefits for sure, but uh, it doesn't have any autonomy over um, you know, its, its economic or, or even its foreign policy. Um, and then there's a thing called free association, which admittedly is the, the one that I don't understand the most, but as I've understood it so far, it's like independence in the sense that they're a sovereign nation, but you enter into a compact or a, 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 like a, an agreement with the United States where, you know, they share certain things. Like, for example, they might have free trade agreements. They might have military um, uh, 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 pacts with one another. But generally speaking, that they would still be freely associated. Now, the thing about free association is that these agreements are temporary, right? So I had this article up a bit ago. Let's see if I can find it. There are some other countries who have entered into these kind of agreements. And most recently, the Marshall Islands uh, entered, into, um, entered into this. So we have a couple. So the Republic of the Marshall Islands, the Federated States of Micronesia, and the Republic of Palau are all independent nations who were once a part of the uh, United States who have become free from the United States, but have entered into an agreement with them. In particular, the one with Palau, um, their agreement is set to expire in 2024. And, you know, part of that agreement is the free association with the United States. So being able to study in the United States and do free trade and things like that. But, you know, Congress is slow and, it, and they've actually been experiencing some, some trouble renegotiating this deal. So the trouble around a free association option is that it might last for 50 years, but what happens after 50 years, right? So it's kind of an up in the air no strings attached kind of deal. And we've got statehood. Uh, statehood is, is I think, pretty clear. Become the 51st state of, of the United States with all of the bells and whistles associated with that. The drawback of statehood is that they'd have to start eventually paying federal income taxes, which, you know, over the course of, you know, several years of integration probably won't have that big of an impact because they would also have access to all of these social benefit programs that, that we, you know, talked about before that they don't have access to anyway. So it would be a net net negative um, anyway. And then there's other options in previous plebiscites, like none of the above, which is just like a protest vote. They don't like any of the options. Uh, and, and those are the options that are on the table now. In 67, what's, interested in, what's interesting about a lot of these plebiscites is that they often are framed around, do you want to be a state or not? And it's like a yes, no question. And it's not like a multiple choice one. And this, this new one is a multiple choice one. And that's why it's in particular pretty awesome. So the one in 67 gave three options. It gave independence, commonwealth, or you know status quo, and statehood. Uh, for that one, overwhelmingly, the majority was 60% for the commonwealth. Uh, so in 67, they decided to stay as they were. Happened again in 93. In 93, there was no clear winner. By the way, this what's super important is that uh, in order for something to be enacted, it has to clear a majority, so clear 50%. So in 1993, the vote for independence was 4.4%, so very low. Uh, the vote for Commonwealth was 48.6%, uh, and the vote for statehood was 46.3%, so super divided in 1993. Um, and then in 1998 happened again, uh, where we finally get a majority winner, but the majority was for none of the above. It was a protest vote. So people were just pissed off. 
and they decided that none of these options make any sense to them. So they chose none of the above. So nothing happened. Then again, in 2012, uh, there was, it's the numbers here are kind of weird because they, they split this table up uh, very interestingly, but it was 5.5% for independence, 46% for uh, free association, and 33.2% for, um, excuse me, 46% for Commonwealth, so status quo, and 33% for free association. 2017, they did it again, right? So in this case, it was 97% statehood, 97%. But the important point about this, and the reason why Congress didn't do anything about it, was that the electoral turnout, so the m number of people that actually came out to vote was only 22% of the, of the nation. So Congress was like, ah, we're, we're not gonna act on that because nobody, nobody came out to vote. That was again, another protest. A lot of people decided not to show up because they were upset that they didn't have an option for free association. They included free association with independence. Uh, and that was a, a big sticking point for Puerto Ricans. Happened again in 2020, just very recently. Uh, and in this case, there was a clear winner uh, for statehood. Um, but the controversy around here was that it was only 54% of the, of the electorate. So it's just barely over a majority. The statehood option was 52%. But the way that the question was worded was, do you want to be a state or not? It didn't include options for independence. It didn't include options to continue the status quo. It didn't include an option for free association. So Congress didn't do anything about it. Finally, we come to today, just this past week, and we're offering three options, independence, statehood, or uh, status quo. And that's it. Uh, and and that's it's interesting because it, it it will be a binding vote and you know right now it's just a bill so who knows where it goes but you know this could be this could be a major change in in you know policy I mean, can you imagine having a fifty first state that's another two senators that's another I don't know how many representatives we'd get but it would be a lot because we're we have a lot of population you know it would be another star on the flag. <laughs> That, oh, we can't do that because we can't have 51 We can't states. recall that many flags. Um, what, do you, what do most Puerto Ricans you think want? I, you know, based on what I just showed you, it's, it's very split. Yeah. You know, it's very, very split. And I hear the arguments on both sides, honestly. If you ask me in particular, I'm pro-statehood. And the reason why I say I'm pro-statehood is because I believe that, especially after, you know, the disasters in the economy... You know, the, the hurricanes, the earthquake that happened like two years ago. You know, we don't have the infrastructure or the capability here in Puerto Rico to, to run it on our own, at, at least not initially. And obviously a lot of arguments for, for independence, you know, argue for a phasing out of U.S. support. And even if we, you know, here in Puerto Rico were a completely sovereign nation, we would have strong ties with the United States regardless. But, you know, there's also some political issues with that. China tends to come into, you know, areas that are impoverished and do debt traps with them to help them with their infrastructure. I imagine that the moment Puerto Rico becomes, uh, you know, independent, China's going to start fucking around and that's never a good option, you know. Um, and that'll also... <laughs> be pretty bad on the uh, geopolitical front. Um, with statehood, at the very least, you know, it acknowledges the fact that all Puerto Ricans are U.S. citizens and it keeps it that way. 
and it level sets the playing field for um, for Puerto Rico to choose how it d decides to you know do business. For the most part, a lot of states in the United States have free the free reign to be able to export to foreign countries as they will. Of course, there's some oversight federally, but you know, generally speaking, they have the ability to do that. And I think that will revitalize a lot of the agricultural sector here in Puerto Rico, in particular, you know, the sugarcane and, and coffee trade, which I think would be a, a really massive, you know, push. And, and you know, we have very fertile land here. We can grow a lot of crops and it could, you know, it could make us not totally independent, but, you know, certainly could make us economically profitable. Uh, and I think that's, that's probably the best option, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess that um, the same you know, um, problems with the Jones Act and you, know, you would be able to, businesses would be able to ship directly to, I guess, wherever. I mean, Puerto Rico would have every trading partner. Like, who wouldn't right. trade with Puerto Rico? There's no reason not to. And there's obviously things that could be purchased. So it would certainly help with the employment problems here. Um but yeah, I guess with the infrastructure, and I'm not trying to knock Puerto Rico, but you know, there's some neighborhoods that look like, you know, they're built. The buildings are old, yeah. and they, there's not that much maintenance on them. So, um, what I'm trying to say in a least offensive uh, way is that Puerto Rico needs help with its infrastructure. I don't think that's a question, and I don't think that's offensive at all. It definitely does, and you know, I think you can't have major infrastructure projects. You know, without federal backing, I mean, you know, cities and, and, you know, even whole states in the United States are crumbling, you know, and didn't Joe Biden do like several trillion dollar package for infrastructure not too long ago, you know, so it's, it's not something you can do on your own, you know, if you could, you would, you know, I think that, that it takes a village, you know, and everybody chipping in and helping out, you know, so I think Puerto Rico could be a, a very prosperous place. And the only other option that I, that I didn't really talk too much about is free association, which is basically friends with benefits with the United States. But like, it means that every 50 years or so you have to renegotiate that deal. And I just don't believe that, you know, the United States would act in good faith towards Puerto Rico because of the history of not acting in good faith towards the Puerto Rican people. So just don't see that as an option. So it's just a bill right now, but it's, when would this vote allegedly take place? No, I don't. I don't actually know uh, on that one. It's so new that, uh, but it's making a lot of waves, and there's a lot of uh, signatories on it, and you know, it's it's mostly Democratic. Then the question is, the the political debate is the, the people who are in Congress, mm -hmm. or in the in, well, more the Senate is, is. I mean, I guess Puerto Rico would have just a couple of Congress people, but then there would be two senators what what they're uh what they're worried about but i don't necessarily think just because like let's just say a puerto rican puerto rico became a state is necessarily uh guaranteed to be voting putting two democratic senators no forever. It's, it's not it's, forever i think at first they would they no would definitely I, I i i disagree with you really i disagree with you like i said before puerto rico is very interestingly diverse in terms of uh the political spectrum if tomorrow we voted and we were a state in the United States and we suddenly had to vote for, you know, uh, uh, representatives specifically uh, in, in the House and in the Senate. I think it would split. 
I, I'm very honest about this. I think we would get half of them being conservative and half of them being um, uh, liberal. I think that's that's very true. I, you just look at the primary results in Puerto Rico in uh, in the past election, and you know the voter turnouts on both sides for the primaries is almost even. I think eventually what's going to happen, and um, I think there's this is what's going to happen in the future. There's going to become like a Fox News version of Univision. <laughs> I'm yeah. serious. I really Telemundo. Think, <laughs> I, I think they're probably is. Is there one already? There's I no. Don't know. I, the, I Univision don't, dominates all like Latin American it, news, right? It does, but I, I don't watch it because I mean I speak Spanish, but I just don't. I don't follow those news channels. Maybe I start should. You know, I don't have TV here. But, um, well, Univision kind of has like a monopoly on the new on the, on like, the Latin American, on Latin American news. news. I feel like one there's going to be a um, there's going to be like a Rupert. Murdoch backed like Fox News. Uh, 100%. Are you kidding me? Like, why, that, it's such a, it would be like profitable, first of all. Yeah, I mean, um, it would change the deadlock in Congress, right? Yeah. Like, like Puerto Rico becoming a state. You know, right now the Democrats have a majority in, in, you know, in the House, but like that's not a forever thing. Yeah. You know, it's a very slim margin. So if we're saying we're going to pick up a couple of seats, like for sure, like I said, if, if the number of representatives is, is, is allocated based on on the population right in the house of representatives like the number of people that live there right gives you how many representatives you have from a state so therefore puerto rico would be in turn if you would rank them by population would be dead center so they would have more representatives than kentucky and alabama and you know lots of other places more than delaware more than probably as many as connecticut you know so when you think about it, that changes a lot of political calculus. So there would absolutely be a lot of interest in creating media around pandering to each political side. There's money in that. There, there's not only money in that, but you know the there's reason. The reason. The reasons why Fox News and and um, you know, and I guess we could do a whole other show on this. But the book Hate Inc. by Matt Taibbi explains like the the evolution of media and how it became super partisan. But, um, the, you know, the reasons why, um, yeah, the reasons why these, these news networks exist is to, you know, their, their, their goals are just to get either Republicans or Democrats elected, you know, they're extensions of political parties. Right. So I, I feel like that would probably happen if it would be, if it would be such a, um, the lobbying in Puerto Rico which, would happen. It's just nuts. Yeah, the lobbying, the political lobbying, and the, the courting of Puerto Ricans would be nuts. I it know, would be nuts. And then you can just imagine like what angles would would be because now, because right now, um, uh, I guess there's more polls that I've seen have shown like um, Hispanics are becoming they're they're more likely to vote Republican than they used to be. Yep. And that's true here. It's very true here. It's like I said, it's pretty split. It's not, you know, uh, a lot of the, the Republican fears of bringing on Puerto Rico as a state because they think it'll just add a bunch of Democrat votes. That's unfounded. That's just well, not the political reality. Well, that's here. that's kind of the fear for um, for for immigration from the South. Is that right. that there'd be a lot of Democratic votes? But it's turn but it's turning out that it's not necessarily true. No, because it's they're not. seeing a lot of like. Hispanic towns in Texas, like voting, you know, for Trump and stuff. That's so, right. So, it, so, 
I don't think you know, but it just it'd be funny um, seeing like the news media strategy of like how they would appeal to the Puerto Rico. I guess would you think it would be based off like Catholicism and like family values and stuff? I think it would be issue. Uh, I think it would culture be issue, issues, right? culture issues, hundred percent. Like I think gun rights would be a big one. You know, um, I think uh, uh, the abortion issues would be a big one. But on both sides, frankly, yeah. Um, I think. Uh, funny part about that is that the um, birth control was tested uh, on women here in Puerto Rico first. Like hum- the human trials for birth control happened here first. And there was a lot of fucked up things that happened in the course of that. There was also some forced sterilizations that occurred. And that topic is hot here in Puerto Rico. Like like reproductive rights on both sides. On on both sides. It's nuts. So they'll they'll divide the island that way they'll divide the island on gun rights they'll divide the island on taxation 100% on taxation it's it'll be it'll be vicious so right now the US deeply polarized is you said Puerto Rico is split in a lot of ways it's very but polarized is it, is it polarized like oh, yeah. America where people oh, yeah. like fucking hate each other's guts yep the only thing that Puerto Ricans agree on is like not being shit on by the United States. That's pretty much, like, that's the one thing that holds everybody together. Um, but other than that, dude, it's pretty politically split. It's hmm. interesting. Well, I want to see how this plays out. I mean, I certainly feel that, uh, I guess my, my the way I think is that it's, you shouldn't be paying into things that you're not getting the benefits from. Um, and it is, I mean, they are kind of they. Puerto Rico is a colony. Let's just who are we kidding? Come on, not even, not even a question. It's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it's a colony. It's not like a brutal occupation where you know it's not like the IDF walking around in in Gaza um, and, yeah. and um, or in the West Bank rather knocking over caskets of oh, journalists they just murdered. But it's not <laughs> it's not like that. But it's um or Israeli police. Um, but it's not, it's still, a it's not great. Let's put yeah. it that way. All right. You want to wrap this one up? I got to take a piss. <laughs> I have to take a piss as well. Uh, thanks guys for listening to another episode of bro history. If you want to support the show rate and review the podcast, that is the number one way to support the show and, um, join our, our Patreon as well. That is another one. That is another way to support our show. Uh, where you get access to our community. And, uh, anything else you want to add? Nope. All right. Peace, everyone. Peace.